Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. First Corinthians 15, I want to read verses 1 through 4. And then I'm going to jump down and read verses 13 and 14. And it's really what they were just singing about. But this is Resurrection Sunday. And we've talked in the weeks leading up. We talked about the gruesome reality of the cross. We talked about the isolating truth of his prayer. We talked Wednesday night of his sorrowful uh, feeling and what it meant to sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. And and, and we, but, but thank God today. We're just going to talk about the truth of an empty tomb. Verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day, watch this, according to the Scriptures. Verse 13. Verse 13. But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? Because he's dealing with these people who don't want to believe and don't want to accept in the truth of the resurrection. But Paul says, and if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain. And your faith, your faith is also vain. Jump down one more verse and then I'll let you be seated. Verse 17, and if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. And I I just got to tell you what you already know. So I'm going to not preach to the choir, but I'm going to preach to the mass choir. And tell you right now, but he did raise from the dead. And you're not dead in your sins. He did it, and he did it all for you. Find somebody you haven't talked to yet and nudge him a little bit. Tell him he did it all for you. Would you pray with me one more time before the preaching of the word? Lord, we love you. We thank you for our time together here. I pray that you would bless every here, every man and woman that's gathered in this building, that you would help me, O oh Lord. Let me speak with wisdom and with clarity. Help me to do it in such a way that it might be received, that it might be understood, and that it might have effect beyond just our time here together today. We ask it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And let everybody say amen. Amen. God bless you, and you may be seated. Some things 
are unfortunately too good to be true. Have you ever been presented with something that now, maybe when you were younger, you would not have believed, but now that you're a little older, you know that's too good to be true. Brother Brown, I won't say who it was, but not long ago, a young man, just a young, young individual, was, was so excited here in the church because they had just won a sweepstakes on their phone. <laughs> they were so excited. All they had to do was give their personal information. <laughs> oh. Their number probably made it quickly to the dark web. And they got calls like I received last week talking to me about how much money I owe. Uh, anyway, aren't those calls fun? But I was listening as the mother said, without hesitation, not looking at the phone, not looking at the details, she just said, ah, that's a scam. We've all been there, haven't we? Where someone tried to take advantage of us. And unfortunately along the way, for many of us here, there was some sense of our innocence that was lost as we went from children who could believe almost anything, going through a few people that let us down. Some things, I hate that this is true, but some things are too good to be true. Ladies and gentlemen, there are some diets. There's a cover now, so I can... That are too good to be true. They said I'm going to lose 20 pounds this week. Just say no. Don't spend all your money. Some things are too good to be true. I'd like to read you a story that's fairly well known, but it's from a book, You Matter to God, talking about a place called Dawson Springs. Kentucky, and some of you may already know where I'm going with this, but Dawson, Kentucky was one of the boomtowns of the latter 18 and early 1900s. Washington Hamby, an ex-Confederate cowboyman who owned the Hamby Hotel, had dug a well and struck mineral water. It became advertised as medicinal waters. Folks came from hundreds of miles to drink and to bathe in these healing waters. One advertisement said, if you seek rest, come. If you're sick, come. Come and drink. This was the ad. The life-giving waters return home healed and rejuvenated. Sounds like the promises from Scripture. And people brought and bought into the hope. The town prospered. Listen to a few facts. Forty hotels and boarding houses sprang up and catered to thousands of visitors. One hotel alone had 500 rooms. That'd be a big hotel for Indy. Forty mineral wells were soon supplying the needs of all their guests. In 1898, for emphasis, the city officials added springs to the name, making it no longer Dawson, but Dawson Springs. The Illinois Central Railroad sold over 50,000 
tickets in 1898. Woo! The Pittsburgh Pirates, they moved their ball team spring training there so that they could have healthy players. The town built a professional baseball stadium with indoor athletic building. The mineral water, water began to be harvested and bottled and shipped to different places so that these people could also drink of the life-giving water until <laughs> they found out it was a well, not a spring. And the water dried up and the people took a hike. Today, the population, 2,631. While I have nothing against the city, I pray that God would bless this city, and I don't want any ugly letters in the mail from Dawson Springs, Kentucky. But I do want to remind you that most of what this world sells us is too good to be true. But there is one promise that will never be exhausted. There is one well that will never run dry. And it's not a well that is dug into the ground, but it is the well whose name is Jesus Christ. It's the one who looked at a woman at a well in John 4 and said, if you drink of this water, you'll thirst again. But if you would ask of me, I could give you everlasting water inside of you. Now, let me make sense of what we have been doing in this service today. Because some of you are very churched, some of you are not. Some of you, you come in and you see everybody in the Easter outfits and the choir singing. But for some of you, you're like, why are people running around? And, and why are people shouting? And like, I don't understand the dancing person. I'm glad they're happy. But, and so I understand that that's probably around this room. So I'm just going to let you know what's going on just in case, not to sound condescending, but to be informative. There are people all over this room who were down to their absolute last hope. All over. I watched in this altar during worship. I watched men that I know were drug addicts. I watched men that I know were in gangs. I watched people that I know had spent time in prison. And... This world said their life was over. And even our system said their life was over. But when they met Jesus, when they met Jesus Christ, they found out not only is there life, but there is life more abundantly. Somebody shout more abundantly. And I've got to tell them from, I've got to tell you that from their testimony to you I speak. If he did it for them, he can do it for you. Yes, can I get a witness in the house that would agree with me? If he did it for me, he can do it for somebody else. Now I need an elder to help me with this. How many would be honest? You've never found him to run dry. You have found out he's the same yesterday, today, and you're trusting he'll be the same tomorrow. 
for our visitors that are here, you might not know this, but in the last couple months alone, we've had multiple people that were dying of cancer that have walked into this house with a fresh doctor's report that have talked about what God has done. We have had doctors look at people in this room right now and tell them, I don't know, maybe you got lucky. And they look back at the doctor and said, I didn't get lucky. I got the touch of God in my life. Aren't we glad that it is a real risen Savior that we are serving? And I got good news for you. It was all for you. I got to tell you something else. If only one visitor would have showed up, if only one person that's been homebound and this is your first service back since COVID, if only one of you would have came today, we'd have done all this for you. We'd have, we'd have done everything we could. And I got to say something to the members. If no visitors came and just you that are here every Wednesday and every Sunday, if just you would have shown, we'd have done all this for you. But can I tell you the truth? It would pale in comparison. It would pale in comparison to what he has already done for us. We are not here because the singing's good, and it is. We're not here because the parking lot team does well, and they do. We're not here because there's picture booths, and there are. That's not why we're, we're here because he died for us. He was buried for us, but he didn't stay in the tomb. Three days later on Easter morning, he got up and he did it all, all, all for you. He did, yeah, he did it all for you. He did it all for you. Paul, in our opening texts, he, he's dealing with some people that are really struggling with the resurrection. And, and, and to all of you super believers out there, <laughs> you know who you are. You remind us that you are the faithful. You believe. And we're proud of you. And we honor you. But I've got to tell you, if I was living in real time, Maybe not you, but I'm afraid I might have been a little more like Thomas. <laughs> Can you imagine being one of the first that he revealed himself to after the resurrection? Brian, say what you want. That would have freaked me out. Who be honest? Brother Titus, that would have scared I would love to say, oh, I was expecting this. <laughs> right? Real dignified. I was waiting on you. I would probably would have been, you know. I might have really messed up and said, oh, gee. Oh, yeah, Jesus, 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 Jesus. <laughs> but he shows, he shows himself alive. And Brother Nate, it was a part of his infallible proofs. Do you recognize that while the world is certainly in a unique place, it definitely is, where there is a great divide. 
We talked about this a little bit on Wednesday night where people are certainly dividing this difference between truth and non-truth. But I will tell you it is critical for us to consider that in the last 15, 20 years or so, even amongst the scholars, they have begun to deliberate and say, I don't know that I want to agree that the Scriptures are, 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 are really complete and I don't want to say that they're breathed to the Spirit. But most even skeptical theologians have begun to agree the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. Even if they just want to call Him a prophet. Even if they just want to call Him a teacher. They want to say those are historical facts. I might not believe that the text is inspired, but those facts did occur. Even some of the greatest skeptics in scholarly belief over the last 15, 20 years, there has never been a stronger belief that this happened. Paul was telling that to the church at Corinth. He said, listen, you don't have to believe it, but it's true. Here's what I love that Paul did. Paul had all these people he was about to tell them had seen him since he had been resurrected. Can I tell you, I would have led with that. That would have been like my, st my starting. Like I saw him. Right? But he didn't use that. And here's why I think he did it that way. Because he was preaching to a future church that would not. He started multiple times by saying, it happened because the scriptures said. I want to tell every believer and every kind of believer and maybe even non-believers that just showed up as a favor to somebody else today. I want you to hear me right now. You can trust this scripture. You can trust in this word. You can trust that it is authoritative. You can trust that it is able to find where you are. Here's what I would speak to you today. Jesus is everything for every person in this room. And that is not a cliche to make you feel good. It is just the truth. He starts in the Old Testament, God revealing as the great I am. And he stays the I am all the way through the New Testament. And he is the I am today. Allow me some old statements right now. What is he? He is anything you need him to be anytime you need him to be it. Guess what? If you're fighting depression right now, everybody's in their Easter best, but you're fighting depression, there are testimonies all over this room that would tell you I was fighting depression, but he came to where I was and he picked me up out of that because of his death, burial, and resurrection. I used to be depressed. Now I've got joy. In fact, it might just be a good thing if somebody that used to fight depression but now you feel joy, why don't you just lift your hands and wave them a little bit right now. Look how many people in this room. How many people in this room recognize that he was wounded? He was wounded for your transgressions. He was bruised for your iniquities. Is there anybody in this room that's ever been healed by the touch of Jesus Christ? 
Look at the testimonies all over this room. So I understand that the enemy of our soul and the enemy of our mind wants to get into us into the corner and wants to tell us, hey, you're never going to feel deliverance and you're never going to feel restoration and you're never going to feel strength. But I feel a resounding witness in this room that reminds us it doesn't matter what the enemy says. Jesus Christ is not only alive, he is alive forevermore and he is personal for you. Paul, Paul gets into this spiel here, this, 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 this statement while he's talking to these people and he says, he says, he, 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 he not only showed himself to these people, but he showed himself to me. And then he says it, he says, I'm the least. I'm the least of the apostles. I think a lot of us could identify with that. Everybody in this room, it doesn't matter how good or how gifted, how smart, how special you are. I think we've all had times where we don't feel like we belong. Some of you even here today, you don't feel like you belong. Paul said, I'm not in the chief there. I'm like this late coming apostle. It's amazing to me the guy that's going to write so much of the New Testament. He's going to be like this prison, prison penmanship and do all these things that we're going to rely on. But he feels such a sense of humility. Partially probably because of the persecution he put against the Christians. But he said he revealed himself to me. It was on that road to Damascus when the Lord, this bright light shining above the, the sun, it knocks him down off of his beast and the Lord begins to speak to him. And Paul's like, who is it, Lord? I'm Jesus whom thou persecutest. Jesus reveals himself. A blindness comes on Paul. It changes Paul's life when he's, he's led. And there a preacher lays hands on him. And the scales fall as they were from his, his eyes. And, and Paul is now relating to these people. The best testimony I have is the scriptures say it. And I experienced it. Because it is one thing, believers, for us to say, the scriptures say it. And I've got to tell you that that is authority enough. Brother Trano, if it was just the Scripture, be enough. But it's the Scriptures and. It'd be, it'd be enough if I tell you the Scriptures say you can have joy. But the reason I had some of you wave your hands is it's not just the Scripture, but the Scriptures compound with my testimony because according to the same word we are overcomers by the blood of the lamb who knows the rest of that come on shout it out the word of our testimony so here we are on Easter with the reality that he went to the cross for me and he went to the tomb for me but he got up out of the grave for me and so I thank God for the scripture but it's not just the blood of the lamb it's not just the scripture but it's my testimony and so forgive me if you don't like that I'm excited about living for God that's gonna bother you but it doesn't bother me at all because I know I was on my way to heaven but he found me and he picked me up and he saved my soul do I got any other testimonies in the house that would say I shouldn't be here today I don't deserve to be in church today people all over this room he busted up your family 
Come on, I'm talking about the enemy. He busted up your family. Somebody made a bad decision. Somebody died that was close to you. Somebody walked out on you. Something hurt you. But look at you. Some of you need to tell the devil, look at me. You told me I'd never make it to 21. You tried to convince me I could never be happy. You tried to tell me that when, when, my, when my wife left or when my husband left or, or when my kid, you, you told me I should give up. Some of y'all need to strut into the spring of 21 and just remind the enemy of your soul. He did it for me. And since he did that all for me, I'm going to give this all to him. I'm going to give him my best praise because he gave me his life. I'm going to give him my best worship because he gave me his life. Stand with me all over the house. He did it all for you. For which I would tell you, you need to give it all to him. It is the least that we can do. Have you ever had someone do something nice for you? <laughs> and you respond by saying, it was the least. It's a pretty funny comedian out there that has an entire sketch on that. How condescending that response is. I thought of everything I could do. And this was the least that I could do. <laughs> now to our visitors, to our members, to our families, I am glad to tell you this is not the least that we could do. But I, I must very honestly tell you, the most that we can do would pale in comparison to one real touch of Jesus Christ. I mean, one real. We have some that have already made a decision to be baptized today. I want them to go ahead and begin to make their way. The baptismal team begin to work with them. We believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Chris did such a great job. The death, burial, and resurrection. We believe in repentance. Not just saying I'm sorry, but trying to do better. Turning from sin. We, we believe in burial. That Again, I'm going to use Paul's defense. According to the scriptures, we're buried with him in baptism. And I remind us that while we're here today as an amazing group of individuals celebrating resurrection, there is no resurrection without a death. But the same reality that he had already foretold them, destroy this temple, but in three days, he had let them know. I don't think he used that English, but ain't no grave going to hold my body down. And three days later, when they come running to the tomb, he, Brother Denny, is gone. And that resurrection was what caused him to stand before the disciples. He had told them, he said, I must go away. Go and tarry at Jerusalem. 
He had let them know there is a comforter that is coming. He said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. But he wasn't going to leave us comfortless. The resurrection, the promise of the resurrection is the truth that every believer can be filled with the Spirit of God. And Acts 1 and 8 says you receive power after that the Holy Ghost is given. We're witnesses all over this room that we have the power of Scripture coupled with the power of our testimony. It was first something I heard but then it was something I experienced. And I want to tell everyone in this room that if you only heard it today, whether this is your first time or thousandth time, if you just heard it today, it's still powerful because it's Scripture. But if all you've done in your life or all you ever accomplish is hearing and not applying, then you will fall short of all that He did for you. He gave everything for you that you might say, if there's anything wrong in my heart, my mind, I want you to forgive me. I believe that you're real and I can't, I just can't make it without you. Help me, oh God. Help me to live right. Help me to live righteous. I've got things I've said, things I've done. I've even got things I'm sure I forgot about that wouldn't please you. And if there's anything, I want you to take that out of my mind. That's what repentance is. It's a genuine turning. And if you pray, He hears you. The Bible says He is faithful and just to forgive. The baptisms that are about to take place, the only way they baptized in the early church. You can read about it not only in Scripture, you can read about it in the Encyclopedia Britannica. The only way they baptized in the early church was immersion underwater. If you've had any other experience, we're thankful for what you've done so far, but we want you to know the full experience, the way the apostles baptized was they would put them under the water in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or the washing away of the sins. My dad, he went in for a he went in for a routine checkup, just a health checkup for work. When he was 41 years old, I was just a young teenager. I'll never forget Kaylin. I I was sitting there in the house the look on his face when my parents came in and set us kids down and began to talk to us. Routine checkup, supposed to be fine. When he found out that his kidneys were at only 17% function. And I watched that guy who was so strong, so powerful, have to hook up to that dialysis machine Four times a day in our own home, they'd bring those bags in by the cartload. Many of you, that's emotional with you. Either you or someone in your family or someone you're connected to has been through this process. He wouldn't let any of us kids be tested. 
You know, I was trying to be at the front of the line. I wanted to be Ryan at the front of the line. I wanted to, I wanted to see if I could be a match. I, I, I want to give a kidney. I, I'll, I'll be glad to. There was only one person that was ever tested. That was my mother. She was a blood match. She was an antigen match. For anybody in the medical field, you know the rarity of that. This girl that he had stood at the altar with so many years before, some 27 years before, that he had stood at the altar with, and they had pledged I do together. I've got a little, I've got a little slip that's in a, in a frame in my office at the house from the hospital when we were there that day. I can still remember watching them wheel my parents off. And thanks be to God that the surgery went well and, the, and the, the kidney took. And the funniest part about that experience was they had to go to the bathroom at the same time for quite a while after that. I don't know if it was accurate, but it seemed accurate. And we had a lot of fun with it. But I can still hear my mom saying, there was never a second thought. I love him. That did for me as a teenage boy. Yeah. Boy, to hear those words. I love him. Can I tell you that while Jesus wrestled in the garden, as we spoke about on Wednesday night, he had already made his mind up. He loved you. He loved you. And he still loves you. If you walked in with hurt today, he can take it. If you've been trying to beat pain on your own, I'm telling you right now, you have not only the power of Scripture, but you can walk out of here with the word of your testimony. He did it all for you. If you'd be so kind or you feel like you're able, would you lift your hands all over this room and would you tell God, Lord, I thank you for what you did for me. I thank you for the death, the burial, and the resurrection. The Bible talks about lifting up holy hands. The universal sign of surrender is we lift our hands and we say, God, thank you. If you're here today and you want to come down front and pray, you're welcome to do that. You, there's no pressure, but we invite anybody here that would say, I'd like to walk to the front of this building and I'd like to trade in what I've been carrying for the strength of God. I promise you, you can trade in some heartache for some joy. You can trade in some pain for some strength. Worship team, I want you to sing for us. I'd like us to pray and lift God all over this house.